0: Hello
1: basketball fans and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran Dave Decker. And at guard from Los Angeles, the
0: patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckert. I have almost half a
1: voice. Such Yeah, it sounds like you have such low energy. You sound like last third of the season trailblazers there.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm not sick, but I woke up about a week ago with no voice and no other symptom. I had like no voice, no voice. And it has slowly kind of come back. But the problem is I put effort into speaking and getting voice out. And when I push too hard, then I'll start to cough, but I don't like have a cough. It's just the effort of getting a voice out, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so between the voice thing and it catching mm. and me coughing, I've just been trying to not talk as much as possible, which is not a small feat when you are, one, me, and two, have little children.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially with the little children, it's almost impossible not to speak at some point because they barely respond to vocal commands, let alone, you know, inferences and non-vocal communication. So, yeah, yeah, I remember those days.
0: It's it's not been pleasant. It's I there's a part of me that would rather just actually be sick and still have a voice and I don't know where it came from. I didn't yell or do anything crazy. I I was at the Clippers game, the Clippers Pelicans game that we probably will talk about at some point tonight. But this was already going on before I was at that game. So it it wasn't from that. And it wasn't. I mean, I'm not I wasn't yelling. So I don't know. I don't know what happened.
1: uh, Did you promise your voice to a sea witch in exchange for meeting your (laughs) prince? (laughs)
0: No, 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 I'm I'm not. I'm not on Prince. I I have I have no singing voice. Even when I have a voice. So that that deal is cutting uh, so it So the for Sea me. Witch
1: like returned it? Like, uh, Jesus, thanks, no thanks. Like, what is this? <laughs> what I is got, this?
0: I got tricked. <laughs> exactly. I got tricked. Oh, man. So uh, I'll just be over here sounding like a teenage boy going through puberty uh, <laughs> with my voice cracking every now and then. And, you know, we'll just, we'll soldier through. I'm
1: having trouble reconciling this image, but that's okay. I can get you some claricelle if you want.
0: I don't even know what that is.
1: Oh, oh, you wouldn't because you probably had the perfect like complexion adolescence, didn't you?
0: Oh, is that oh for it's no? Like I did, treatment. I did not. I had terrible skin when I was a teenager.
1: Okay, Thank I didn't know. I thought
0: I thought it was like allergy medicine for my throat.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've been told I have good skin now. I never thought I have. I still think I'm 14, but like people routinely guess when I'm not stressed out and tired, which I am all the time, so it barely applies. But people. Guess my age about ten years younger than I am, so I guess I'm doing okay.
0: Yeah, that's that's when I was a kid or when I was younger. I used to hate being mistaken. I worked with teenagers for years and years and years, mm-hmm. and routinely I would have parents come in, and I would be standing there, and they would say, "Who's in charge?" I'm like, "It's it's me. I know I look like a teenager, but I'm not." And I yeah. hated it, and now I'm so grateful for it. it. I'm I regularly have people assume that I'm younger as well, and I I'm, know. You guys have seen
1: Dia, right? I mean, she's sixty in in real life.
0: My birthday's coming up. I'm only I'm I'm my birthday's coming up. I'm going to be in my late thirties.
1: Oh, poor baby. I mean, we all feel. Let me play the world's smallest cello for you. I'm (laughs) just
0: saying. I never felt the age thing. Thirty didn't turning thirty did not bother me. Mm -hmm. Turning thirty five did not bother me. But I am not forty is intimidating to me. I'm not. I'm not i i'm not a fan maybe by the time i get there i will be but right now i'm just like yeah
1: yeah i'll let you know when i get there anyway uh for your birthday i mean we were going to get you two draft picks but apparently uh <laughs> we could only pick up one the other one uh the, uh, the website <laughs> said they didn't have it anymore <laughs>
0: Undeliverable. Undeliverable. Yeah, so. that's, that's exactly. It. <laughs>
1: that's brilliant.
0: For for those listening that don't know what on earth we are talking about,
1: how could you uh, not? If you are listening to this podcast and don't know, go ahead.
0: Then then we're gonna tell you so that yes. you can be you can be filled in. So basically, uh, we were with all the trades and everything that were made. Um, you know, there were some stipulations, and one of the stipulations was that the Pelicans needed to not make it into the playoffs in order for us to get their draft pick that we were supposed to get with the trade. However, we all know they did make it into the playoffs. They squeaked into the playoffs.
1: Ooh, it was terrible. I, I was, I've never, I like, I don't root against teams, you know? it's It's difficult, like, for me to switch into that mode. But I was yeah. really rooting against. I wasn't even rooting for the Clippers and Spurs. I was rooting hardcore against the Pelicans. And of course, since I am a Blazers fan and have been since I was young, whatever I wanted to happen, the opposite happened. Look, I
0: I live in L. A. We've talked about this a million times. I've kind of become a, a side Clippers fan, um, you know, as as I've as I've done this thing here in L. A. And. I was like, I'm going to go to this game. So I went to the Pelicans Clippers game that decided our fate. And I had really mixed feelings because I wanted the pick. Um, I wanted the Clippers to have more play. I wanted to be able to go, you know, when the Clippers are in the playoffs, I get to go to the games because they're local, some of them at least. So there was a lot for me that was good about that. It was rough to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I hated rooting against C.J., But I had no problem. I just like, okay, I like Norman Powell and Robert Covington right now. And Nicola Batum, who was a trailblazer before CJ was. So I was, you know.
0: It was interesting. The people around me were all rooting for the Clippers. I've never heard a Clippers crowd as loud as that one. Uh, And I've been to a lot of Clippers games this season, and I've never heard them that loud. In fact, I've heard opposing teams' crowds louder than Clippers crowds usually Um, so this was a loud Clippers crowd, but the people around me, it was really interesting because they're all cheering for the Clippers. They all had all their Clippers gear on and everything, but they were also cheering for CJ by name and he'd do something and the crowd around me would cheer. And I found that really interesting. And the lady in front of me at one point was cheering for him and her husband kind of looked at her and she goes, what? I like CJ. And so he's kind of, I think, being, uh, you know, I, I never really heard stuff like that when he was on the Blazers. But I think now with that move, he's he's kind of building himself some fans.
1: Yeah, he's out from under the shadow of Damian Lillard, so people see him. Yeah. And, uh It was heartbreaking, but you knew it. You saw it coming when Paul George, you get that headline, Paul George, COVID protocols. Paul George
0: just really hates the
1: Blazers. COVID protocols, like, yeah, you knew, you could see it. Like it was, you're going, oh, it figures.
0: I just can't believe the level of hatred you have to have for a team to do what Paul George did to us on that night by, by sitting out that game. It's, you know, uh, the one time in my life that I was, like, ready to cheer for Paul George and he bails.
1: I would have still taken him on the Blazers, but, man, he's, yeah, that was, uh nah. So, yeah, anyway, Portland's uh, draft power is halved now. Now, they're still going to have a pick somewhere between 1 and 10. The only pick they can't get is number 5. But uh, chances are best for them to actually get 7 or 8 and not even six, but they do have about a 37% chance of moving up to the top four. So you hope that happens. 37, Which is solid.
0: That's a solid percentage.
1: It is a solid percentage. That said, five other teams have better percentages. So, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. The Blazers are sixth out of 14. So a little better than, you know, the median. They'll take it. But... Yeah, uh, the problem is, and we discussed this a little bit, but now it's an either-or choice, yeah? Unless they can get somebody stolen for, for free, like if, if Detroit is just literally fire-sailing Jer- Jeremy Grant, or or will trade the the possibility of getting the Bucks' 2025 pick, which is the next in line for the Blazers to receive for Jeremy Grant, because any first-rounder will do, uh, you know, if they could do that, that's still possible, but... Barring something like that, it's now an either-or choice, yeah? Because they don't have two draft picks. The the, the sweet spot was to use the higher one, trade the lower one for help now. The higher one would presumably give you some help now uh, and a lot of help later. Now you don't have that option. It's an either-or choice. Do you take the kind of help now and... Give up the later by trading the draft pick, or do you just draft somebody? No, they're not going to be ready right away. But that's the more solid percentage move for your future because you get a little help now and a lot later. You sh- should have been able to have both. You just can't. So what do you do?
0: This whole thing stresses me out so much. And you know, I saw Josh, who produces our show, he tweeted when this all happened that you know now the number eleven draft pick is probably going to be the next Michael Jordan because that's the luck that the Blazers have. Yeah. Wait, um, is this hot, and- Josh?
1: Huh? This hot Josh. This is the same Josh that we met at Blazers Edge at right, night, right?
0: Yeah, Josh, our producer. Josh. Yeah,
1: hot Josh. Yeah, he's cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure glad, I'm sure he'll be glad to know you think so, Dave. Yeah, I'm sure um, he is. But uh, you know, uh, <laughs> if he's if if, if you're sing, if he's single and you're single out there, you should ask about Josh, our producer, because uh, he's got some stuff going for him there. So <laughs> we appreciate him very much for a lot um, of reasons now
0: so so but he he tweeted about that pick being the next michael jordan and i just started laughing because i thought man that would be our luck but i'm looking at this thinking i don't know dave i i that i was with you i thought we were going to get to do both i thought we were going to get one pick that would be michael jordan and one pick that we could trade for lebron james and we were going to be set um just kidding but i really i i don't know what you do there's there's a part of me that thinks like keep the draft pick and hope that we draft well, which historically we haven't been great at, but I also, we have different people. Maybe, I don't know. There, there, there's a part of me that thinks like, we don't get these high draft picks. We haven't gotten a high draft pick like this in a long time. If we've gotten any draft pick, it's been like last year we had to buy one and it was so far down. Like it would be nice to draft some young talent again. Right. But then there's also the sense in which like, which I think this is going to tell us a lot about which direction we're going. Are we are we drafting and going with young talent or are we going with, you know, or the win now mentality of, of trying to win with Dame and, and all that? Like, I, I don't know. This stuff is the stuff that I am. So, you know, how indecisive I am. If any any of you that have listened to the show know how indecisive I am. I could not make these decisions.
1: That's why we needed both draft picks. It's like the buffet, right? Some of this, some of that. But I mean, there are other considerations. Yes, there is to win now. And of course, that's the pressure. If win now, above all things, was the thing, then maybe some of those midseason trades didn't make as much sense, even though they did save you money. Because those weren't win now trades, right? Yeah, and it's hard to like say we want flexibility just to win now. When what you traded away in order to win now was a lot of talent that theoretically could have helped you win now. So yeah. you've got to believe that in addition to unless they're just looking for bald cap savings, there's some fence sitting even in the organization. And the thing is, the pipeline. I think you got to look at the pipeline. Let's leave out Trend and Watford. You know, Greg Brown the third. they could be good, but they're not there yet. You know, they're promising. But it's not like anybody's going, well, this is the core of our team in the future. They still have to show more. Who have you got who's young? You got Anthony Simons and yeah. Nasir Little. And who yeah. have you got underneath them? Nobody.
0: Well, depending on if we keep Keon, Keon's okay, young. Okay,
1: but still, no, still got to show more. I mean, I'd say, look, yes, you have a lot of people who are young, like by age. Young was not our
0: problem this year. <laughs>
1: no, but young and absolutely cornerstones. You know, what's the talent pipeline look like? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I'm not saying they can't fish somebody out of there. I like Watford a lot. I like what Eubanks did. I like Keon Johnson's potential. But you're not going like, yeah, we've got our team set. Like, we've got an underneath layer there that we can bank on for the next 10 years there, none of them are at this point so you, you've got two players and then a lot of emptiness and they can't let that continue to be empty uh and it, the thing is obviously if the pick ends up top four you use it there's no way you don't right. use it i think right but if it doesn't you gotta ask yourself i mean can this player help a little more and a lot later or is this a complete project if it's a complete project, I guess you think about trading that away. But if you think that player can be solid later, can play up to a starting potential, which, you know, you would hope if it's a six pick or seventh pick, they could. Then I think you got to keep that pick and use it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I tend to lean towards keep the pick. It's really hard for me to think about a trade that would be worth trading that high of a pick away. To me, you you try to maybe make those things happen in other ways. I don't know. It's hard because we've traded away so many assets in order to get cap space that we don't really have assets to trade. And it's it's such a catch-22 because now we have a little bit of room to work with as far as salaries go, but we don't have key pieces in order to bring in short of signing free agents, which is tricky and there aren't really like there who's even available at this point
1: hold on to that thought well let's get to that right next after we do draft pick hold on to that salary cap thing let's talk about that for a minute but what are the odds of winning a title with Damian Lillard no matter who you can get with say that six through eight pick like in trade I mean like you trade that away let's say you get a Jeremy Grant or you get you know some other wings that people are talking about in my mind, the overwhelmingly likely chances that you made that trade just to kind of get back where you were when you were good before this year, which means right. you're somewhere in the six to eight range, maybe five. I mean, the highest they finished, I think, was three. And that was with a much fuller roster, right? So you're making all kinds of moves just to get back to where you were and where you were wasn't good enough. So I think that's the overwhelmingly likely thing. Is there is there a chance you could win a title and, and rebuild right now and win a title? Maybe. I mean, but what are the odds of that compared to what are the odds that you're going to need good talent in the future? I mean, that you're going to need good talent in the future. It's 100% odds. The odds of winning a title right now... You know, very, very slim, so I think that has to go into the consideration,
0: yeah, it's just such like this that my mind starts to hurt like my brain hurts when we start talking about this stuff because you look at the roster that we have and you look at this like it's such a balancing act to figure this stuff out because even if you take Dame out of the situation, even if Dame is not a part of the picture which he is so it, this is a theoretical obviously. but even if you take Dame out of this out of the picture, this whole concept of needing cap space but then needing assets to get the guys to fill the cap space, you know that that we cleared so that we could have more talent, but then there's not really talent that's available. it's like it's just such it is so complicated and it is so overwhelming to try to piece together a team that's going to be a contender and then when you add into that equation Dame and his you know timeline when you add in the the fact that we've had a certain type of guys that have been really really talented like you said we got rid we didn't get rid of guys that were just whatever we got rid of really talented basketball players who have now been at the forefront of the teams that they're on you know Norm and Robert Covington and C.J. McCollum, all of them have been talked about on both the Clippers and the Pelicans. They're making, they were making waves. And so it's not like we just got rid of Joe Schmo. We got rid of guys that were talented. So dealing with the cap space, dealing with trying to find talent that that we can afford, that we have assets to trade or or move or whatever, or or free agent, like all that stuff. On top of that, you add Dame's contract. And and Dame's timeline, on top of that, you add not falling into the same mistakes you had before. It's just like, what do you even do? I don't even know.
1: So let's talk for a minute. And actually, we should wrap a bow on that by saying part of the way you manage a team is to not put yourself in situations like this. Yeah. You know, if you expose yourself to this possibility and run the risk, I mean, if it works out, it's great. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be having this conversation if the Blazers were conference finalists or NBA finalists or whatever, we'd be going, great. Well, they haven't even been close, really. Like you're going, okay, well, what's the cost? It's like, well, you put yourself in this kind of conundrum in order to build this team. Maybe that's what you had to do in order to build this team. But when this team isn't performing well, then that kind of changes the calculus on your managerial job. I mean, you... You just literally ran the risk of getting yourself in a no-win situation in order to win, and then you didn't win.
0: Yeah, it's just really... I mean, I I get it. I get that moves needed to be made. I get that Cronin needed to come in and shake things up and Mm -hmm. do something. I get that. But it just... And, and I'm still not writing him off. I'm still not someone who's calling for his job and saying to, you know, whatever, like we are where we are. And and honestly, a lot of where we are is because of Neil's decisions. And now somebody had to come in and try to clean it up. And I think he took the first steps to doing that. And we're seeing part of a process. I think you at least give him through, you know, the summer to see what he does. You know, give him the whole, give him the whole shot, not just halfway through. He started making moves. Let him, let him see them through. And I think, you know, he had to come in and he had to make some moves and he had to do some things, but he took some calculated risks. And one of those specifically that, that pick from the Pelicans did not pay off. And it, it, that's a big thing. That was a big, that was a big bummer for us. Bummer is the best word I can come up with. I mean,
1: it is, it's like going shopping for a car and suddenly having half your budget or 60% of your budget. It, It changes the calculus on what you can buy. It's
0: so tricky because I get that. I get the moves needed to be made. I get that there are risks involved in how this works. And I get sometimes you take those risks and you hope it pays off, but it's just so much irony that the trade itself that we made to get that pick actually improved that team and put them in the position that they're in now. Like if they had not had CJ, I'm not sure that they'd be where they are. I don't think they would have made it, but the fact that they had CJ You know, he went off on that game with the Spurs, and he was a big part of the reason they won that. Had they not had CJ, they may not have made it into the play-in, but we also wouldn't have needed their pick. It's just, it's, oh.
1: Yep, you got it. Now, let's move on. Let's talk about this cap space. And I don't know, I don't think I will have published this article yet when the podcast Posts, but so you podcast listeners get a sneak peek. But let's talk about this, and I'm, I'm going to make this as easy as possible. I wish I had a whiteboard and everything, but you tell me if you can follow, do you? So the Blazers only have 58 million, about 58.3 million in guaranteed salary that they owe next year to active players. Okay, which so is so
0: basically to dumb it down for those of us like me who really need to. That's the amount of money that's on the books with players that are on our roster
1: that that they have to pay. Yes, with players okay. they absolutely ha- have under contract next year. Okay, which is pretty good because the salary cap is 122 million, so that's like almost 64 million in cap space, right? Which sounds great. But let's go on a shopping spree, you and me. Do you want Josh Hart back? Yes. Okay, that's going to add 13 million to that because it doesn't include Josh Hart. So we're, it, we're this now, is an
0: expensive shopping spree. Now
1: we're at 71.3 million. About 51 million we have left, right? Okay. So our available is down to 51. Now, I would ask you if you want Nurk and ANT back, Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic, but you don't have to answer that because you can have them. You just have to pay their cap holds. You you sign them last, and assuming their contracts are going to be bigger than their cap holds, cap holds are the amount your own free agents count against the cap before you've signed them or they went somewhere else. You can have them both back, okay? And I assume the Blazers are going to want to. But their cap holds combined are about 30 million. That's not what the Blazers will resign them for. It's probably more like 35 or 40 million, even. You have 30 million aside, unless you cut them, that you cannot spend. Okay? So now we're at 101 million, about 21 million clear. But we're not done yet. You want that number six pick. And the number six pick, if we get it, is about 6.5 million on another cap hold. So that takes the available cap space uh, to about $14.5 million. But hold on, we're not done yet. That only accounts for 12 players. And there are cap holds for empty spaces up to 14, which takes uh, another about $1.8 million off. Now we're down to $12.7 million in cap space clear. One more thing. The Blazers still owe the stretched salary for Andrew Nicholson. Whom they received in trade and then cut and stretched a uh, few years ago. That's 2.8 million. So now, with the Nurk and Ant cap holds, which is very few people to bring back, plus Josh Hart, right? That leaves you about 9.9 million in cap space. And the non-taxpayer's mid-level exception, the mid-level exception every team gets to use that isn't paying the luxury tax, is 10.3 million. And that's what you'd use if you were any shorter than 10 million of cap space, 10.3 million. So, the Blazers basically do not have any more cap space than a capped-out team, unless they release Yusuf Nurkic and Anthony Simons. Oh, also, I did not or count. Or don't
0: sign Josh. Or
1: don't don't have Josh Hart back. I did not yeah. count. By the way, Eric Bledsoe's three point nine million, which actually would up at another couple. He could be a, a, a He's a minimum $3.9 and if you keep him on the roster, that's actually like $19 million or something obnoxious like that. So actually, I, I'm incorrect. They're about $4 million short of that. So they're, they're now down to about $5 million. They don't have cap space.
0: So essentially, that's when it starts to get frustrating because you look at that and you think, so then what on earth were all those moves for? To get Josh Hart Well, and a pick?
1: Josh Hart and a pick and to get under the luxury tax. And they got under the which luxury tax.
0: Which is wild. I, again, I get it, but that's wild when you think about who we traded. Yeah. And I like Josh Hart, and I think he'll stay. I mean, the other option, I guess, is they move him, but they've been pretty vocal about the fact that that is not the plan.
1: Okay. Um, so, so here's what they'd have to do if they want cap space. They have the $6 million and stuff. Don't bring back Nurkic, don't bring back Simons, and don't bring back Hart. And you can have about $49 million in cap space.
0: And but then but the problem then is who do you get to fill oh. those spaces that is going to fit within that it's it's yeah. slim pickings
1: and people are going to get mad it's actually not forty nine it would be closer to forty three probably in that scenario so yeah forty three million in cap space to fill the holes that Hart Nurkic and Simons left so I mean that's where that's where we are and uh, I think that's going to hit people hard but yeah I mean. Ouch.
0: I ooh, I hesitate to even say this because I don't think it's going to go over well, but it's one of those situations where you look at this and you look at where we're at and you think, so is this it? Like, how do we get out of this? Is the only option to get out of this to just say, screw it, let everybody go and completely rebuild? Like, is that, is that the only way we get out of this is to hope we draft well, you know, try to trade – I mean, even Dame – do, do they trade Dame to try to get asked? Like, what do you do? And I'm not, for the record, people, before you destroy me, I am not suggesting trading Dame. Who we would all do know. That?
1: Who would do that? <laughs> Who would suggest that?
0: We all know that I will fight to the death to keep that man on the Blazers. But what do you have? My question is just a general in a situation like this, when you have a team in a situation like this, how on earth are you supposed to fix it?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, and the next hope is that you get promoted to a top three pick, right? And if you get promoted to a top three pick, all of a sudden this starts looking better because now right. you at least have that potential star to add to the light. Up. Yeah. That would be the, the easiest out at this point, out of the, uh, the dilemma. But yes, after that, you have serious question now. I don't think you can keep Lillard, but release Hart and Nurkic and Simons. What sense does that make?
0: No, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all.
1: Right. I mean, because then Dame has nobody around him, but really young players. uh, And he's in for a lot of losing. Or you keep Hart and Nurkic and Simons, and then you're capped out for essentially the team you had before, uh, except for... I mean, Hart replaces Norman Powell, C.J. McCollum, and Robert Covington, and Larry Nance Jr. All four of those players in your lineup have been replaced well, by Josh Hart. And a pick. Well, okay. We're not, we're, just, we're not worrying about the pick quite yet. Okay. Right? So you basically have taken away those four players and put in Josh Hart. Then your decision tree goes, well, this is not a prime lottery pick. Does exercising that pick make up for whatever Hart, the gap between Hart and McCollum, Covington, and all those other players? Or do you trade away that pick to get someone to close that gap? But even if you get like Jeremy Grant, do Jeremy Grant and uh, Josh Hart put the Blazers ahead of where they were with C.J. McCollum and... Norman Powell and Larry Nance Jr. and Robert Covington. I mean, I don't know. I I think it can easily put them equal or slightly ahead, maybe slightly ahead. If you turn your head, right. But I mean, that's a big gap. I mean, that's, it's the, the idea that make them hugely better seems to, to be a pretty big stretch.
0: Well, and, and I mean, we're essentially falling into the same kind of trap, I guess, for lack of a better term, that we were in before adding Jeremy and Josh. I mean, they're great players, but so are the guys that we had. Are they great players that are going to fill those spaces in a way that are going to make us championship contenders? I I don't know. I mean, Jeremy Grant at least is, what, 6'8"? So he's a little taller, um, a little more defensive, I would say, that he fills some of those spots. Josh Hart is not – how tall is Josh Hart? Josh Hart's like 6'5". Okay, that's what I was thinking. He was smaller. So, you know, I, and again, I love Josh Hart and I like him in that role. And I think Jeremy Grant would be a good fit as well. But it changes the conversation when it's Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant and that's it. And we don't have any more room to do anything else. I, I don't know if that's going to get us out of the the problems that we were having before I, I don't know if that fixes it. it. It it'll be fun. It'll be fun basketball. I'll enjoy watching that team, but I'm not sure. And and now, granted, Dame comes back better than ever, and Anthony Simons kicks it up even more, and Nurkic comes back as the Nurkic we know and love. You know that's obviously those are difference makers. That's going to be huge. But is that combined with Jeremy Grant and Josh Hart going to be big enough to win a championship? I'd like okay. to hope.
1: you could. They could also use a mid-level exception if they don't go too far above the cap to encroach upon luxury tax territory with it. So, I mean, you could get one other player out in there, but, I mean, I'm thinking a power forward, probably. It's just hard. You don't realize... Because you think, well, okay, the Blazers have done all this work to get a serious competitive advantage over the league, at least in terms of flexibility, signing power, drafting power, or whatever... And really they don't have any of that barring their pick getting up to a really high level in the lottery. They don't they don't have a they spend all this work trying to get out of a hole and they kind of get mostly even. It's not horrible. That's where they are. All this work and trading to get not horrible. That's great except you consider that before they were already not horrible. They were actually pretty good. It's a lot of work to end up back in the same spot. So yeah, yeah I, I mean, should. your question of whether to tear it down and all rebuild, I think is a completely open one or should be way more open than people are thinking of.
0: Yeah, and I I don't like it because I don't want to get rid of Damon. I, I personally don't think that's the move, even if it means we don't win a championship right now. But I do think it's a question that should be asked and it's one that I've struggled with. You know, I mean, anybody who's listened to us this season knows that anytime this has come up, I have yelled louder and louder that if Dame wants to be here, we keep him here. And I still, I still stand by that, but I do think that it's a fair question. I think it's a fair question when you look at where we're at and you look at what we've got and you look at what our options are. I think it's something that should be asked at least by the people who are in the position to make the decisions. I am so stinking glad that I am not one of those people right now. (laughs) That is all I have to say about that.
1: Yeah. Well, and it just seems clearer and clearer to me that the middle course is the wrong course. You know, that because all you're doing is gupping up cap space for not terribly a lot of success or not enough success and forestalling the rebuild until later, you know? And it's like, okay, but rebuilding later, do you really have more assets? And yeah. especially if you're going to rebuild later, do you trade away that draft pick now when you could use it for a rebuild? Or, you know, as we've brought up, can you get a lot of draft picks to Damian Lillard and just rebuild now, now, period? And by the way, if you're going to do that, you can also let Nurkic go. You'd probably keep Simons anyway. Uh, Hart is a call that you could flip a coin on. But now you have a ton of cap space as well. And I'm not saying that you would use that cap space right away, but at least it's not gummed up for the foreseeable future when you actually want to start your rebuild.
0: I don't don't think that's the way.
1: I don't think that's the way. I'm not sure that's the way. But it shouldn't be not talked about.
0: No, and I I think it's always hard as fans, especially when we're fans of certain players, it's hard to take and have those conversations. Like the idea of not having Damian Lillard or Nurkic or Anthony Simons. Like, I hate that conversation because I don't ever want them to leave this team. So I I think that that's always, and that's fair and that's fine. Like, it doesn't have to be a conversation because at the end of the day, I always think about what Steve from Blazer's Edge that, that we work with, he told me one time, you know, you can cheer however you want, it doesn't change the outcome. And that has been so impactful for me and I bring it up regularly in these conversations because the fact of the matter is, We can have these conversations till we're blue in the face. We can sit here and we can talk about this till the cows come home. How many different things can I come up with? We can have these conversations over and over and over. And ultimately, at the end of the day, none of us are the decision makers. None of us are the ones that are doing this. This is all just speculation and conversation. But it's hard. It's hard when you feel an emotional attachment to think about letting go of these guys.
1: That said, I think it helps to be clear about what tools they actually have to work with. And, you know... You're going to have to make a choice whether you have cap space or players. Uh, You're going to have to make a choice whether you have a draft pick or a trade. And those choices are somewhat linked. And like we said last week, I mean, here's spoiler alert, depending on where the cap situation ends up, they may keep Eric Bledsoe or keep Joe Ingles just to use them as more trade ballast if they're going to be over the cap. But under the luxury tax anyway, having that salary slot could be valuable. So. Yeah, who knows? I mean, depending on which way you go, you could see some really odd decisions, or you could see them blow it up. And it's fascinating, actually, that the Blazers are in such middle ground that both of those seem like viable options right now. Kind of tells you where the team is. Usually, it's one way or another, and it's really not it. They have a choice about which direction to go. What else yeah. What else is on our mind this week? I mean, boy. Well,
0: just randomly, I just got a notification right now that apparently the Pelicans won on the road against Phoenix. So there, CJ, man, he had 23 points. It's going to be fun to watch. I, I, there's mixed feelings on this. I think it's going to be fun to watch him go on and play this series. But I know there are people who, who aren't thrilled about it. We have the playoffs going on. And even though we're not in them, there's some interesting stuff happening. What do you think, Dave? Where Where do you think? I mean, we're only in round one now, but I'm curious who you have winning this or or winning the Western Eastern Conference, who who would you take?
1: I don't like predictions because all of them are wrong. I mean, if you predict right, you're usually just lucky. I will tell you, first of all, I think the pathos story may end up being the Denver Nuggets, like the sad kind of grieving because, boy, Golden State has come on strong. Denver's a good team. And, like, Denver reminds me a lot of Portland. Like, you got almost a whole team there, but, like, injuries and stuff like that. And the Blazers, too. And if you could have the Bluggets or something like that, where you put those two teams together, they would never lose. But as it is, both of them are kind of half teams looking at early exits, perhaps. I think the East is easier for me. And my gut says that Milwaukee still comes out of the East. I like Philadelphia to a point. I like Miami to a point, but I think that point ends before the NBA finals. So Milwaukee has been there and Giannis is still an incredible force. I mean, Joel Embiid is too, but Joel Embiid, I think that's a shakier roster and and history with that roster. So I think it was Milwaukee in the East and I can't, boring as it seems, I can't bet against Phoenix in the West. I think they're good. Okay. I think they're really good. So I think we actually see a repeat uh, of last year's finals. I am okay. up in the air as, as to who wins, but I wouldn't be surprised if Milwaukee did it again. How about you?
0: I'm going to go in a different direction. Uh, I I kind of see maybe a sneaky move by the heat. I think the heat might come out of the, of the East. Um, I think it could go a couple ways, but I, my gut says the heat, the bucks would be my, my maybe second. Okay. They might, they might do this. Uh, but I kind of think that the heat are gonna, are gonna come for them. Um, and personally, I would love to see that. That would be a fun, that would be fun. Um, as far as the West, I'm going to go with golden state. I think golden state is, is that first of all, they are, insane right now. They're on a roll. They're they're playing well and I think that they are, I just think that they're so good and they have so much talent and part of me would just like to see them do it. I, You know, I like that this is essentially a homegrown team. This is a, you know, there's a lot of talk about is this a super team? Is it not a super team? I like the fact that a lot of these guys have been drafted there. Uh, there's a lot of young talent that's worked hard and come up. I am forever a Gary Payton Jr. fan. Um, I just want to see that man win everything in life. And he's on that team. You know, Jordan Poole has been incredible to watch. Um, Steph Curry obviously is, is, you know, somebody that I enjoy watching. I think that is going to be a very difficult team to win an entire series against. So I'm, I'm taking golden state as, as my pick for, for that. Um, you know what think, else?
1: Those jerks are doing it without James Wiseman. They're doing it without their highly drafted center.
0: I know James Wiseman. Uh, I got to shoot. He played. He was playing with the G League because he was dealing with injury, and um, man, he's he's something. Even even dealing with injury and playing in the G League, he was he was something else to watch. But he, uh, yeah that that team. And I just feel too like they've had so many of these guys. For so many years, and and they've they've battled injury. You know, they were essentially this dynasty, and then they kind of fell and battled all these injuries and all these you know ups and downs of things. And now they're kind of coming back together. And it's just it's it's. I know Portland fans aren't going to like hearing this because there seems to be this animosity with Portland fans towards Golden State. I think because of the Steph Dame comparisons and stuff. Uh, but I personally like Steph Curry's game largely because i do think there's some ki- comparisons there and i like dame's game so it makes sense for me to enjoy Steph curry and and the warriors i just think are are a fun team to watch so i i think i think a warriors heat finals would be fantastic that would be so much fun but as far as you know my children are concerned it should be the pelicans and the
1: raptors so well cool yeah i've <laughs> it's this year is so wide open to like, and it this really was, is. you know, this was the thing. It's like the Blazers were angling to be the replacement for the Golden State Warriors, which they had a chance to do a couple of years ago and couldn't quite pull it off. They were hoping to build into this wide open, you know, that people knew that at some point it would even out and it has. And sadly enough, the Blazers aren't there. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like the, the door opened to the mall and uh, you were off somewhere else. You were off tying your shoes and it's like, Oh, get in before all the good stuff's gone. I don't know.
0: It's interesting watching the finals this year because, or the playoffs this year, because we've been in the playoffs every year for the last eight years. And this is the first year we haven't, this is the first year that I don't have a horse in the race. I get to just sit back and watch basketball and enjoy it and root for whatever player I want to root for, root for whatever team I want to root for. No consequence to my team at this point. And it's kind of fun to watch that way and just get to sit back and relax and not feel stressed. It's been a stressful season. Um, it's been a lot of ups and downs and, and I'm, I'm anxious to just kind of enjoy some good playoff basketball.
1: I mean, yes, exactly. You get to watch ball without it being like taking a cheese grater to your eyeballs. I mean, it's, uh, Oh, that's it's, a terrible image. I know. I'm sorry, but like some of that just late season, uh, you know, when the, when the air went out of the balloon, I mean, it was fun for like three weeks, right? Everybody's trying hard. And then all of a sudden, like it all fell apart. And it's like, Oh, this is really, really bad. <laughs> this is really, oh, oh, yeah.
0: I liked it still. I still, I, I will never get tired win or lose of watching those, those younger guys that are getting a fighting chance, just going out there and leaving everything they have out there. I, there's something about that. That I will never get tired of. Yep. They well, left. I might get tired of it a few years down the road if we're still not trying anything.
1: But they left everything out there, and it should not be picked up again. Uh, let's get <laughs> something, new. Okay, so we have the playoffs. Anything else on the hot button for this uh, first big week of the off-, off season?
0: I'm really enjoying the social media content from our our guys that are now on vacation because, uh, you know, they aren't playing in the playoffs. It looked like uh Nurk and Dane met up in Dubai, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or something like that.
1: Must be fun.
0: It, yeah. Yeah. It's not Cancun, but we'll take it.
1: No. <laughs> one, two, um, three, Dubai. <laughs> oh, wow.
0: This is one of the things that I love about basketball now versus when I was a kid is just the accessibility of, of, you know, keeping up with these guys and their families and what they're doing in the off season and, and getting to know them, you know, like Josh Hart, who was not on our team for most of the season and looks like he will be going forward. It's fun to kind of follow him and, and get to know his life and, you know, and, and see who he is. So that's, that's always a a fun part of this.
1: Josh Hart has had a salty Twitter feed the last couple of weeks. Have you, have you seen that?
0: I've seen bits and pieces. Tell me about it.
1: Okay, so first of all, Dwight James made a comment about C.J. McCollum trade and saying, oh, the Blazers did all this and now didn't even get a starter. Josh Hart just called him an idiot, basically. Yes, I did see that. So, I mean, which I can understand, Mr. Hart. Like, you know, okay, I am a starter. And legitimately, Josh Hart is a starter, okay? Yeah, absolutely. I, I empathize with what Dwight meant. I just think it's one of those, like exaggerations that you make for effect. But the problem is everybody's literally reading your stuff now and nobody gets a pass uh, and including the per- players you were referencing. So yeah, yeah, I mean, Josh is, I'm sure Dwight didn't mean it quite like that, but yeah, Josh led into him. And then Josh also put in uh how much it sucked not playing in the playoffs almost. Yeah, wistfully. I saw that. So yeah. Wow. He's not, I, you know,
0: it's not a good look to make comments, in my opinion, like, like James did. I, I get it. I get that this is kind of his spiel. Like, I, I get it. But I think making comparisons and things like that, and, and this is something I struggle with. I always have. At the end of the day, you know, a, a CJ McCollum is a fantastic basketball player. Josh Hart is a fantastic basketball player. To insinuate that it wasn't worth the, tra- like, and I, again, I get that there are ins and outs of it, but I think at the end of the day, like it's unnecessary, especially he's not covering the team anymore. This is just his own entertainment on Twitter. And he's making comments like that, knowing full well that these guys are going to read it. Good for Josh for responding. Honestly, I-, I think you absolutely deserve the right to respond to people's salty comments about you with some salt yourself. So that a rough one. That's a rough one. I, I can't imagine having to read that stuff Some about myself. Some fine
1: pink Himalayan salt. Uh, but yes, <laughs> uh, I think it's fair to say that Blazers didn't get the maximum return they could have. I mean, since the draft pick went away. That I think people were, even with the full deal, people were speculating they could have gotten more for C.J. McCollum, let alone McCollum and Nance. The fact that half of that compensation got nerfed, it's not gone. You still get a 20-25 first-round pick, hopefully. But it's it's nerfed. It's not the same. And it's like, well, would you trade CJ and, and Larry Nance Jr. for Josh Hart talent-wise? It, that's a stretch. So I think that's fair. But Josh Hart definitely is a good player. I mean, he may be well, the most promising player that the Blazers got, uh, including, yeah. I mean, give or take Ant growing up. If you look at the improvement and or acquisitions of everybody on the team, I think you could argue that Anthony Simons might be, his improvement might be better than acquiring Josh Hart. I don't think anything else probably comes close. I mean, Hart is clearly the best thing the Blazers got this year.
0: Well, and it's not his fault. He didn't make the decision. He was just a pawn in the whole, that's not a good word to use, but he he was just told, hey, this is where you're at now. He, you know, he didn't have any say in it or any whatever. And so it just, to me, like I struggle a lot when comments are made that feel personal. Mm-hmm. Like y- you can say what you want to say, but say it in such a way that still finds a way to show respect to the talent and skill that these guys have playing at a high level. Josh Hart is a fantastic player. He's a great human being. And honestly, I, I'm I'm glad he's on the Blazers. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be you know, going forward, a really fun player to have on the team.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think you could you could say comparatively, Josh Hart is a good player. I mean, like, even if you don't think he's fantastic, it's hard to argue that Hart is not good. Uh, Josh Hart is never someone you'd be sad to see on your team. Not it's also all. possible to say that CJ McCollum might be a better player than Josh Hart. Uh, Look, under if that's your thing,
0: if you n- feel the need to compare players and i get that people do that it's not my thing i hate it 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 actually is something that drives me crazy but But if you feel the need if if and and if you feel the need to do that fine you're entitled to that and and you know dwight james covered the team for years it was his job to do that for years i get that it's no longer his job now he's just like anyone else on twitter who's making a comment It just so happens that the players see it because of who he is. And Josh Hart saw it and responded. And I think he has every right to do so. And that's you're allowed to compare two players. One of those players is allowed to respond and be pissed about your comparison.
1: Yeah. To be fair, though, a trade does kind of mandate or invite comparing two players because you did. I them.
0: still don't like to, but that's, but, but I mean, seriously, seriously, How would you
1: GM just to kind of roll dice.
0: I'm not a GM.
1: I know. And I that's, know. and that's my point.
0: That's my point in this is like at the end of the day, I get it. I get that everybody enjoys basketball differently. And I get that at the end of the day, people are going to make comparisons. It's going to happen. Fine. Do it. If that's what you, if that's where you find your happiness and your joy in basketball, that's fine. It's not my thing. Never has been. I've always hated those comparisons between two players, I I don't like to do it because I think it's so hard to make uh, players play differently in different circumstances. There's a lot of anyway, but regardless if you're going to make a comparison and you're going to do it from a verified account of a reporter who's known to cover the blazers, you have to know they're going to respond. You have to know that like you have to know it's coming.
1: Verified account (sighs) who needs it. But anyway, uh, there is no comparison to you, Odia Miller, as a podcast co-host. <laughs> uh, you're absolutely wonderful. Thanks for coming on with your uh, voice uh, issues and everything. Hopefully we it's it. back
0: next week.
1: I, yeah. And if I not, see. you can just sign and I'll interpret. Yeah, uh, that'll be fun. Dia says this is a fun player. <laughs> And she's going to love watching him. Uh, let's hope for your fair. birthday. That's fair. For your birthday, the Blazers get a nice high lottery pick next month. That would be great. My
0: birthday's still like two months So It's not that close. It's not until June. So we got some time. Okay. We have well, some time a for birthday present. To happen. We'll
1: pre-birthday on <laughs> May 17th. And don't worry, we'll prep you for what to look for on that day and stuff. You want to check out the Church of Roy podcast, which comes out Wednesday mornings on Blazer's Edge as well, because Steve DeWald is on that. That's the real draft uh, intensive one one you know where steve knows his stuff stuff when it comes to the draft does all their draft previews so check that out too leading up to the draft most exciting time of the year it's like gonna be christmas i hate it well when you have a draft pick it's cool there's no the draft i like
0: the draft i like sorry i was thinking about i'm i'm yes i like the draft i actually love the draft because you watch people's lives just dramatically change right in front of your eyes and i love it i think it's fantastic
1: between you and me i don't think you have to worry about this year's free agency deadline either i don't think probably you'll have to worry about i think they're just going to come back with the same you knew what i was thinking (laughs) everybody you love is going to be back because that's who they can get anyway we'll talk about that more next week for dia miller i'm dave deckard have a fun week and enjoy the playoffs. a hater sees an opening
0: down the lane moves towards the hoop but then dia comes out of nowhere to slap the shot attempt away saying get that weak stuff out of here Dave scoops up the loose ball, now it's a fast rate the other way with Dia, she's flying down the court, Dave sends her an alley she jams it, boom, chakalala, the crowd is on its feet saluting Dia, I tell you, if she isn't the
1: rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award, what a talent.